Back in the 70s, the mantra for teens was peace and love. In the 80s, the mantra for most teen boys was skate or die. Flash forward 20 years, and what do our youths care about? What's the Wi-Fi password? Thank you for tuning into What's the Wi-Fi Password, a place where we have discussions about topics and issues that are relevant to the teens in our generation and how to point them towards the gospel. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about this podcast, please email Joshua Shively at joshuas at calvary.com. Okay, so I have a question for you, Andy. Uh, Andrew, what makes home feel like home to you? You know, we've been like living in our homes for almost 40 days now uh, or spending more time in our homes than maybe most of us ever have before. And uh, so I just was thinking about it. Like for me, I have my own home separate from my parents, but actually I, (laughs) there's a song I'm from Reno, Nevada. I went to high school there and it says home means Nevada. Home means the Hills. Home means the sage and the pine. And I feel like, home no longer is like four walls to me but it's just like this place like when I go back to Nevada it I don't know there's something about the sage and the pine like the the smell of it that brings me memories of safety and fun and lightheartedness that was which was so interesting because my dad was actually really sick during that time but I I have just like as soon as I come over the mountain, when I drive from California to Nevada, it just is like, oh, there's home. And so, uh, I mean, home is definitely people for me. It's feeling love, but and maybe that's actually what it is. Maybe I know that people, these people in Reno, Nevada really love me and care about me. And so that's what makes it feel so much like home. But what about for you, for you guys, what does home feel like? Um, hey, you guys, my name is Drew. Um, I think most of you may know me, but if not, no worries. Um, so I grew up in Monterey uh, all my life. I actually lived in the same room my entire life. Um, so I have deep roots here. All former, four of my grandparents are here in the Monterey Bay area, my uncle and everyone. Uh, so, and I have a big family too, three sisters. So um, home often feels uh, suffocating. I'm sure people experience that now uh, when, you know, it seems like there's no doors on your home anymore. It's just everyone's entrapped. Um, But I I think home um, to me has become home uh, more recently because I've moved away to college and uh, I was up in uh, the Bay Area for college, which is very fast paced and uh, in personal, um, in a, in a lot of ways, um, there's some great things, there's some great opportunities, but, um, people don't give you uh, the time of day and you don't give yourself the time of day either. Um, and so home to me means those long, uh, slow walks after dinner, uh, those unhurried lessons of just doing nothing, um, of 
seeing a dog on the street and saying to your neighbor, hey, I like your dog, and that being about it. Um, no epiphanies, no Nobel Prizes, um, nothing, you know, a six-figure salary. Um, it's just simple. I think uh, home means simple. And probably a lot of food because we host a lot of parties and a lot, a lot of food. I mean, man, like we need three refrigerators, but we only have one. So um, <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> what home feels like. A lot of every, I feel like every gathering, like the awkwardness is just automatically kill, killed if there's food involved and people just feel great about being there as long as there's food. Yeah. Food is a, a social glue of sorts. That's people. awesome. Yeah. And I, I can attest family dinners at the Wadecki house are something special. Um, lots of good food to be had there. Um, for me, I, you know, I have an interesting relationship to home, especially now, because I have moved every summer since I graduated high school, um, at least every year since I graduated high school. So home in one sense, uh, I can tell you what each of my different apartments felt like and kind of the feel that each of them conjures up, uh, like freshman room, dorm, like dorm room, felt very new and felt very like nostalgic in a lot of ways. And then living at Seabreeze felt very cramped and very like, I don't know, rashy, if that's a good word to describe anything. Uh, but right now living at, um, living in Salinas with Austin, hmm, I don't know what like particular word this home is quite yet. Um, but they're all different. Like each home that I've lived in feels very different. And even my parents moved after I left for college. So I don't even have like the, oh, I'm going to go back, like see the room I grew up in, like know this living room, like just walk throughout the house and like know it perfectly. But their home still does feel like home, even though I've never lived there, never spent more than a week there. Um, but thinking about the home that I grew up in the longest, um, I guess one answer I can give right away is that home for me changes with the buildings, um, that they have like a character to them that I've noticed that whatever floor plan you have, whatever people you live with definitely affects what home is and feels like. It definitely has its own character. Um, but when I think back to that one home, I think a big feeling that comes to my mind is like exploration. So I lived there from like 10 to 18 and it was just such a period of like figuring out who am I? I have all these like fun memories of having friends come over and we would go to Foothill elementary school and play hide and go seek at like nine o'clock at night. Um, I have all these memories of like, going down to the park near the house uh, and like playing Frisbee or just like getting sticks and like exploring like this old farm next to the park. Uh, so I've got all these like memories of exploration, like kind of discovering things and figuring out the world. So 
yeah, that's kind of what, what home brings up to me. It's different things depending on what the building is, what the roommates are. Uh, but that home is definitely a sense of exploration. And so with this discussion on home, uh, you all might have heard we've got a new voice on this episode of the podcast today. You're listening to What's the Wi-Fi Password? That's the podcast that you're on. If you meant to find something different, uh, then feel free to click away at this point. But if we've hooked you in with our conversation at home, feel free to keep listening. Uh, my name's Andy. I'm the middle school director here at Calvary, and I'm joined by Miss Tate. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. Good to be with you again. Happy Friday. And then our new guest for today is actually my best friend, Drew. Drew, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? Everybody, happy Friday. Or, you know, if you didn't know if it was Friday, it is Friday. So uh, <laughs> get excited about that. There's a weekend. But you guys, weekend. it's like also May 1st. How did that happen? I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> the month of April came and went. It Drew, is. I, so, I have a couple like random questions for you since it's your first time on the podcast. I just like have three quick questions. Love it. Let's do it. What is your favorite vegetable? Favorite vegetable is broccoli. Done. Oh, interesting. Perfect. What's your least favorite dessert? Least favorite dessert is coffee cake or anything with coffee because I don't like coffee. Don't like coffee. Good to know. Okay. Last and final question. What is the activity you enjoy doing most during shelter in place? Um, I really like getting up early and going on a run. It doesn't always happen at the same time. Sometimes I sleep in because I have nothing else to do. So um, don't feel ashamed if you can't go exercise all the time um, by someone on a podcast saying to do it because I'm not saying that. I just enjoy it. Uh, yeah. It helps me feel less crazy in my thoughts and emotions before the day starts. When you go on runs, are you like a music, do you listen to music or do you listen to podcasts or do you not listen to anything? So it really changes um, time to time. Um, I'll try to get like one sermon in like a week at most. Um, I don't like doing tons of like Christian podcasts um, or regular podcasts um, for that matter. Just they, they add to the confusion. Mm -hmm. Um of my mind, uh, sometimes I'll listen to worship music or listen to some old Christian rap, um, which will be fun, uh, or just John Mayer or the Lumineers or whatever is floating my boat. Yeah. I have an old iPod, um, like manual, no Spotify, no Apple Music. So I just shuffle, and sometimes I find things from when I was in sixth grade, um, <laughs> which is really fun. Um, yeah. But I, I think I'm trying to feel okay with the silence um so that's kind of where i'm at yeah that's cool all right well andy i didn't mean to interrupt you but take it away i think we should talk about jesus now maybe some worship we've been talking about worship this week mm -hmm. yeah we have some concluding thoughts on worship maybe not concluding thoughts but just additional thoughts yeah i don't think i certainly don't think our little podcast in five 15-minute episodes is going to come to any sort of concluding thoughts on worship. Uh, there's some really smart people that have been writing books about worship for millennium. I don't think they've concluded it yet. But maybe, you never know, we could get there. It could. it could just be us three knuckleheads that figure it out. But to end this theme for the week, uh, as we've been talking about different ways to worship and different uh, aspects of worship, 
one conversation that we wanted to get into today is how do feelings and emotions tie in to worship? Uh, so do one of you guys want to open up that conversation and share like kind of where you're coming from and a perspective of how do feelings and worship uh, match up with each other? Yeah, so I'll try to bite a little bit off of that question. Um, feelings and worship can be really confusing, uh, especially when uh, you go and feel great during worship, and then other times you feel like, oh, I'm just not into this at all. Um, you know, maybe it's your first time to a different worship setting. Maybe you uh, are super vibing with Catholic masses and you come to Calvary and you're like, what the, this is not my style or vice versa. Um, right. And, uh, sometimes it's the style. Sometimes it's other things that make you not feel into it. And, um, sometimes, uh, when I was growing up, uh, you know, I, I wasn't a Christian then I came to know Jesus. I remember worshiping the first time in, in truth and in spirit, uh, to a Chris Tomlin song called I Will Rise. And it was like the first time I actually rose up my, you know, I rose up from my seat and did all that kind of stuff and felt sincere about it. Um, and, uh, but then when you get home from camp and home from these really cool, emotional, recharged connections with God, um, how do you worship? Um, is it worship if I feel distanced? Um, and if I feel uninspired um, or unconnected to God, or if I just sinned and I just see that only in my horizon. Um, and I think, uh, you know, David in the Psalms offers us a lot of hope uh, that worship is uh, coming to God, uh, not always uh, coming to him joyfully um, or in a happy mood. It is coming to God. It is submitting. It is, you know, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but um, it is just coming to God. Um, and so uh, you can worship when you don't feel like it. Actually, it shows a lot of obedience uh, to worship when you're not feeling it. Um, one of the best worship songs of all time, it is, uh, it is well written by a, you know, an old, uh, not old guy, but he was, He's, you know, centuries ago, and he lost uh, a lot of his uh, security. He lost his family in a uh, shipwreck, I believe, and he writes, it is well, and that's a worship song. Um, he's not saying it's, it's happy. He's not saying, um, you know, man, this is the best day, and I can worship you because it's the best day. It's saying, I feel terrible, but somehow god you are with me and i acknowledge you worship is just an acknowledgement sometimes and joyfully other times uh, it is a, it is a you know expression of love and gratitude so that's kind of how i would spark that Tate, what do you think yeah i i completely agree i feel like too um it <clears throat> i think sometimes worship is portrayed especially like at camps and stuff to be this very emotional thing or like at first we have a huge joyful set in the morning or the first day of camp and then by the last day of camp 
everyone should be crying, repenting, confessing. There should just be so much emotion flowing. And that's just not always how it is. And I think sometimes we even feel like we have to fake the emotion to worship the Lord. But, you know, I, man, I feel like in the last few years, worship has been like a very firm foundation for me when my feelings feel very unsure. And worship has allowed me to reorder my feelings. I feel like sometimes in an appropriate way before God. Not that God can't take like my mess of emotions and feelings when I go to worship him. But I remember um, the first day I went to church uh, right after like uh, I found out just really hard news about my marriage. And I I went and the first song they sang was, Oh, Come to the Altar. Um, The Father's arms are open wide. And I was overcome with great emotion because I felt like, oh, it like clicked for me. Like I, I get to go to the altar no matter what state of mind I'm in. Um, and that's what worship is really about is, is coming to the altar despite my feelings or even with my feelings. <laughs> so I think sometimes our feelings of anger or bitterness towards God could make us hold back in worship. In times of joy, sometimes we forget to worship. And then in times of sadness, sometimes we feel like we have to just be sad and worship. But um, so many times when I would enter worship and be super sad or afraid, I would come out of worship just being really assured and convinced that it wasn't about why things were happening to me, but it was about who Jesus is. And so... <clears throat> there there always is a variety of feelings with worship because feelings we have them every day and they change constantly and we don't always even know how to express them or sort them out and i always think the most comforting thing about feelings is that jesus came on earth and had feelings and he worshiped god at the same time and i don't think he held back with his father um when he wasn't maybe feeling like his ministry. I mean, he could have had so many discouraging moments in his ministry, but he persevered in worship. Even Paul singing in prison in Acts, I forget, but like the doors open, you know, after him and I forget who it was, Peter or someone was worshiping with him. So that was a powerful moment with probably a lot of emotions behind it. Um, but yeah, that, those are kind of my thoughts about it. I think the the biggest thing to remember is that we don't need to get our feelings, we don't need to fake feelings in worship, and we don't need to get our feelings together before we come to the Lord in worship. Um, Andy, I don't know if you have anything else to add. Yeah, yeah, I love that, absolutely. Um, I know, Tate, you shared earlier in the week on uh, Jesus and John 4, saying Mm -hmm. true worshipers will rise up and those who worship will worship in spirit and in truth. And I think that's a really important line because Jesus says spirit and truth, not spirit and emotions. Mm -hmm. And now saying that does not mean like emotions are removed from worship. But I think what it does mean is that emotions or at least a particular emotion is not a requirement of worship. Like Jesus does not say, 
um, true worshipers will worship in spirit and in joy or in, in spirit and in sadness. Okay, so spirit and truth. Uh, and truth stays truth, like whatever we're feeling about it. Um, so I, I appreciate that line because it gives us permission to worship from whatever emotional state that we're in, um, which isn't always easy to do, you know? And a lot of our songs that we sing um, kind of do lean towards like a joyful emotion, at least a lot of them do. Some of them like include some repentance in them. Some of them include some like sadness in them. Um, but we can also worship like just being beaten up and just lamenting and being upset. Uh, one thing that I've appreciated doing during the shelter in place is I've had a couple moments that I've just been like really bad days where I've been really low and upset and just not sure what's going on. And on one of those days, I read Psalm 88 out loud. And Psalm 88 is such an important psalm because a lot of them that are really sad, like by the end of the psalm, the author's kind of like back on his horse and he's like, I'm upset, but Lord, you've saved me. You've rescued me. You've redeemed me. Like, you're good. I trust in you. Like, you're going to save me from this. Psalm 88 doesn't get any of that. Um, and so it can be a great thing to sing out loud to just say out loud when we're upset. It's got lines like, hear my prayer, listen to my cry, for my life is full of troubles and death draws near. I am as good as dead, like a strong man with no strength left. Um, so it's got some cool like punk rock garage band, like I'm upset and angry vibes to it. And the end of the song, instead of being like, all right, but now we're joyful. So like you can be sad for a little bit, but then you got to get get back together this one ends with darkness is my closest friend so once again some like solid just punk rock like but also just really genuine like yeah sometimes we go to worship and sometimes we go in a really tough place mentally or emotionally and we say like okay but this time like the lord's gonna show up the lord's gonna take me out of this place it's going to be joyful like it's going to be everything i once loved and knew like david praying restore to me the joy of your salvation but then sometimes like we go and we come home and we don't get that and it's weeks or months before the next time we get that and so i want to encourage you with well that's not fun uh and while we shouldn't aim to be in that place and shouldn't only be in that place when that place comes, it's acceptable. And we're still able to worship God from that place. Uh, to wrap up my thoughts, when Jesus says spirit and in truth, spirit can mean a lot of things, but perhaps the most basic things it means is presence. When you worship in spirit, you are there with God. You are placing yourself before God. Mm. And then truth, of course, means that you're worshiping the right God. Uh, you can't worship in spirit and in truth if you're singing a song to, you know, a, a cactus that you have potted in your house. Uh, you're going to be worshiping the wrong thing. It's going to be a false worship. But it also just means sincerity. You know, when I say that no emotions are forbidden in worship, that means that we can be sincere and honest before God. Uh, and sometimes that means being honest publicly in the way that we worship. Um, it's going to be a frightening thing to do. But just know that God's not scared 
of your feelings. That God's not scared and he's not going to be offended by the way that you worship him. Yeah. And I think too, my conclusion, concluding thoughts will be, um, we didn't talk a lot about this, but I think feelings can lead to us being able to offer up our gifts to the Lord. I think about that just through like worship artists or worship leaders, right? They write music oftentimes from their real life. Like I think of Katie and Brian Torwell, I think they like lost a baby, ended up writing a whole album, um, a morning album of worship, but some of the best worship songs have come out of there and you guys would know a lot of them. And, or the song I Can Only Imagine by Mercy Me, um, that came out of a lot of feelings and emotions and God used somebody's talent, somebody's gifts to bring them glory. And God can do that so often in our feelings. He can take that and we can offer up our talents and gifts and bring him glory. And that is, that's worship. Um, it doesn't always have to be a song or writing music. It could be painting or drawing or writing. Um, so many things, dancing. Um, but yeah, I, I hope you guys have given worship a little bit more of a thought this week and that you have a, a really clear understanding that um, we were made to worship, we are called to worship, and we, we get to worship. We don't have to, but we get to. And uh, yeah, I hope it becomes a, a huge part of your life um, moving forward. Drew, thanks for being here with us. Do you have anything else to say? <laughs> yeah, um, thanks. Uh, just taking in all of you guys' comments. Um, yeah, I would just say um, final remark would be uh, worship is for God and also at times for you. Mm. Um, it's, it's sometimes for you to realize your fears um, and sometimes to realize your fears are un unsound. Um, mm -hmm. Or rather that God is more sound than your fears. Um, and so I would just encourage you to be yeah, honest about your worship. Um, and uh, yeah, and I would, I would practice. You just got to practice worship like outside <laughs> of church, like put on some headphones. If you have a free night, I do every Wednesday. Just like put some headphones on, just rock something, um, put it on shuffle, whatever it might be. Um, you'll be amazed about what God can speak to you in that time and how he can bless you. Mm -hmm. um, and it's sometimes it's the best for this generation, my generation and those below us, because we're just so scatterbrained that we can't yes. sit through a po podcast or a sermon even. So if you got to this point, maybe this is not for you. So, um, <laughs> but thanks for, thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah. I know some mm -hmm. of you are struggling with being with your family 24 seven and feeling like you get nowhere to go. Some of the girls in middle school girls have been just going to their cars. So just ask yeah. your parent for the key to the car. You're not driving it, but just go in there, sit in there, roll down the windows if you need to. Make sure you ask for help if you don't know how. And uh, just go all out in your car. Pray, Marco Polo, your youth leader, worship. But if you mm -hmm. need a quiet space, I recommend the car. But quick safety memo. <laughs> If the car is parked in the garage, do not start it. Oh, yeah. Do not. <laughs> That's. I feel now like I have to have all these caveats <laughs> not, with like going to the car. 
yeah. consult your local parent yeah. if if any other uh, actions to be taken after this podcast. Yeah. Calvary <laughs> Chapel holds no legal requirements. <laughs> <laughs> Can you speed up my voice at the last part? Yeah. Or just... <laughs> yeah. We'll have Bernard do it. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being uh, with us today. Hope you have a great weekend. Wash your hands. See you later. Amen. Calvary Monterey's youth ministries meet on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Monterey. Both middle school and high school students are welcome. Come on out. You belong here. And I promise, we don't bite.